the, uh, the weather patterns, all of that. And, and so we just submit ourselves to you. So I'm, I'm glad to see somebody here. And uh, I trust that God will have something special for us because we are here. And he knows who will be here. He knows who, who couldn't come because of the weather. And uh, so we just look forward to what God has for us in this service as well. Um, you know, one of the features of Christmas is it's a season of giving, right? Uh, how many people have got all their Christmas shopping done? Oh, yeah. good. Hey. Do you do shopping for other people? <laughs> oh, it's just a, it's a season of giving. Uh, you see the uh, the Salvation Army kettle and and money going into that. You you go to the grocery store, or some of the stores, and they say, "Would you like to add two dollars and seventy eight cents uh, to your purchase to provide a meal for a homeless person?" Well, I think I could go two seventy nine, but no higher. You know, it just it just. It's giving time. It's, it's, it's a time where we take some focus off ourselves. And as we look at, at uh, Hampers of Hope and what we're doing there, uh, we see that we're seeking to reach out and give, particularly at this time of year. And we're so grateful for all of our uh, community partners, like the Hockey with Heart guys and, and all these folks that are going out and joining us in this uh, of seeking to care for and provide for those who are less fortunate, particularly at this time of year. And uh, we've got, I think, uh, just maybe just over, Nancy, just maybe over 200, somewhere around there. So, uh, I mean, it's fantastic. And, and let me just put in a plug. If you haven't gone back to sign up to help or to get something for a family or to, to uh, serve, uh, in in putting this, the packages together and all of that, please do that. But there's this wonderful spirit of of uh, uh, giving that is prevalent at this time. And uh, when we think of this, um, what is it that uh, is important for us? Is where does this giving impulse come from? And I want to suggest to you that God is the ultimate giver. And that where we learn giving is from God himself. Uh, God is uh, gracious. God is overflows with generosity. And from the very beginning, God has been a giver, always a giver. And the first place we see it is he's, uh, he's giving and generous in creation. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when we see God's expression... In providing a place for us, uh, we see something of his goodness, his kindness, his generosity, and, and it just abounds. Uh, that Christ created, that God created a home for us. And, and, and what's interesting to me is he could have put us on a, a dreary, terrible place. He could have put us like on Mars. You know, what are there? Craters and dust and all of that kind of thing. But the place that he created for us, uh, first in, the, in this huge expanse of the universe, and, and we see how he, you know, he has filled the heavens with stars and planets and things of beauty, uh, things that are awe-inspiring. 
And as he began to create a home for us, uh, he, he could have done that in, in such a, a way that we'd have a place to live and we'd have something to keep us alive, but it wouldn't be like what God had done for us. He, he created a world that wasn't just the bare necessities, but he painted all kinds of tones of color throughout the, the, the universe and, and throughout the planet Earth. He splashed our world with color, and there's majesty, and it's breathtaking to see the flowers and the plants and the animals and, and uh, the geological structures and all of that. And God did this to provide for us, but just not the bare minimum. He, he could have provided something so far less, but he didn't. He provided this uh, beautiful place, and, and he gave us all kinds of good things to eat and to enjoy. In First Timothy, Paul would say, uh, he said, everything God created is good and nothing but is to be rejected, but received with thanksgiving. It's, it's interesting, when you think of the food God has pr- provided for us, um, when we were kids growing up, we, you know, like tropical fruit might be a banana and orange and a grapefruit or something like that. But when you've traveled a little bit, you see, man, the kind of fruits that are around the world, it's incredible. And, and uh, here, is, here is God pouring out his blessing on us. And uh, he, he gives us all of this good stuff, like prime rib of beef, <laughs> like back ribs, barbecued, like all these all these wonderful fruits and 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 as they say having been around i've tasted stuff that i'd never even heard of before this is oh here try this and it's so good and when we had the taste of the nations wasn't it wasn't it neat to enjoy all of what came together in that in the variety and the flavor and the texture and god could have given us so much he could have given us gruel and kept us alive but in his goodness he just gave and he gave us beauty, and he gave us um, wonderful things to enjoy and to eat. And we would have been lonely, and so he made us to be in community and with relationship. He designed families who love and care for one another, and husbands and wives, and he, he put his protection and nurture over us in families, and we had the joy of friendship and, and knowing people. And he made us to be in his image and in his likeness so that we are apart from all other creation. We share something that God is. And you know what he did? He gave us executive positions in ruling over the earth. Uh, he, he gave us, uh, he, he said, uh, you, you're going to have dominion over all the earth. And so we have the responsibility with God to be caretakers for the earth and, and to, uh, to, sh- to care for it, to develop it, and all of those kinds of things. And, and what God did for us was extravagant. It was over the top. It was lavish. He provides everything for us. And, and God would step back and look at what he had created, and he would say, it is very good. It was so far beyond what he could have done for us. Well, God also um, not only does that, 
But God shows his generosity in providence. That in his, is in his control. Uh, God created, but somebody had to maintain this, uh, this world, this solar system, this universe. And in Colossians 1, we, we read this about, about Jesus, that he created all things, and he's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Everything that is in the universe, how, how, does, it, how does it hang? How, how come, the, how come the, the planets don't veer off course? How come the, the stars stay in their courses? Well, God does that. Uh, how, how does the, the sun keep shining all this time that the sun has been shining and it still provides for us what we need, or that God did that? It says in Hebrews 1 and verse 3 that the sun sustains all things. He hasn't abandoned this world. He hasn't left us to its own demise. Uh, why do the rivers, do you ever think of this? Why do the rivers flow and flow? Watch what Niagara Falls, the amount of water that goes by there, and yet it never runs out. God has kept us in that way. When we look at the laws of nature, what God has done, he shows us his love and care as he can, and his continued kindness and his generosity for all that is there. And your life is, you, you may not realize it, but your life is totally dependent on God. He gives you a breath and he takes that breath. And he gives you another breath. You see, you thought you, thought you got where you got today uh, by virtue of all that you have, how bright you are, how hardworking, how industrious you are. And you thought, yeah, yeah look at this is all me. And you never realized that who was holding everything together, who designed you and who kept you alive. It was God. It was God. And so the thing is, sadly... God's love and, ge- and generosity was tragically snubbed. It was rejected. And under the deception of Satan and, and the lust for power and autonomy, humankind rebelled against God. And he would have been fully justified to wipe us out because of our sin and our insubordination. And in the light of his wonderful generosity... He chose not to. I'm afraid if I were God and I saw what people did to me after I gave them everything that I gave them and showered them uh, with gifts, I, I'd think, like, just fry them, judge them, get rid of them. They're not worthy. But God made a way to bring them back to himself by trusting in his provision. Uh, through a series of sacrifices, he brought them back and, and here's the interesting thing, that no matter what and who we are and what we've done, God is still pours out his goodness to us. It, it says in Matthew 5, 45, that he's good. He, he's kind to the good and to the wicked. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rains on, uh, rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In spite of what we've done, in spite of our rejection and rebellion, he still pours out his generosity on us. And you may reject God and, and you may use his name to curse and you may live without regard for him in any way and, and not recognize that you are totally dependent upon him. And yet God shows his grace 
and his patience to you. The Apostle Paul would say in Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, he said, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and the tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? He says, all of this good stuff that I do for you, all of how I shower my, my, my goodness upon you, it has a purpose. And that is for you to see that I love you and that I care for you. And, and that you would draw you to myself. I want you back to be my own. Have you recognized that generosity? Have you thought about the blessings you enjoy and you didn't realize it wasn't because of you? It was actually because of God and in spite of you. And behind, behind all of your efforts and successes is the God who gives you life. The Apostle Paul would say, in him we live and have our being. Our very being is dependent upon him. Have you acknowledged that? Well, see, God is not recognized as the ultimate giver. And they don't see the costly gift that he gave to us. And that gift, it comes to us in an extreme way from God's generosity. His generosity is seen in the gift of his son, Jesus. In John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave us the greatest demonstration of his love when he sent his son to earth to die the death that he would so that he would take those people who are alienated from him and he would draw them to himself and he would make a way to forgive them and to take them uh, from the judgment that is theirs. In Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul said, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I mean, if God would give his son to die the kind of death that he died, I mean, wouldn't he give us everything else to boot? Absolutely. And so we need to see that at the heart of this, the whole picture of love is God giving his son for us. And he wasn't giving his son to people who loved him and cared for him because it says in Romans 5, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, while we were still shaking our fist in the face of God, when we were saying, no, 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 when we heard what God wanted of of us and we went the other way, he still sent his son. He demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Isn't that incredible? And, and, and the son demonstrates his generosity in the sacrifice of his love. We talked about John 3.16. How about 1 John 3.16? This is how we know uh, what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He did it. The father sent him, yes, but he laid down his life. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. What, what a beautiful picture. And here's a verse that, that 
may have skipped by you. Here's Jesus talking. He said, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This command I've received from my father. Have you noticed that? The son was obedient to the father, but he says, I have the authority to lay down my own life. And I have, did you get this? I have the authority to take it again. Which makes Jesus even involved in his own resurrection in a sense. He he says, nobody made me do this. The father asked for it. But I lay down my life of my own volition. I'm doing that. And how beautiful is this expression in 2 Corinthians, the apostle Paul says in chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus that though he was rich, I mean, he's ruling the universe, though he's rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Have you thought about that kind of love? Have you thought about that kind of generosity? Think of your own child. That Would you give up your child for people who hated him, despised him, wanted to kill? Would you give... For that, I mean, you're talking about generosity to the extreme. And he gave it up so that though he was rich, he became poor, so that we through his poverty might be rich. Man, that is incredible. He gave it all up for us to reconcile us to God. And there's no greater display of that. You know, we, as we talked a couple weeks ago uh, in the, or a week ago in the Sermon on the Mount, every time we read Scripture, the question we should be asking is, so what? So what? What does this mean to me? Uh, and, and we're coming to communion. We're coming to celebrate this incredible gift that God gave to us when he gave his son to die and gave us the gift of salvation, that it wouldn't be by anything that we did in and of our own uh, volition, our own choice. He gave us a free gift. He didn't ask uh, us to pay for it. He paid for the whole thing in his generosity. And, And what is our response to that? May I suggest to you that as we come to this table just in a couple minutes, that um, as you reflect reflect, uh, on the so what, that as you take this bread and you take this cup, these expressions of God's love for you, of Christ's sacrifice for you, may I suggest the response that ought to come from us in this is worship, it's gratitude, it's saying... I don't, I don't know why he did this. I don't deserve this. I am overwhelmed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The word in many churches that's used for communion is the Eucharist. And that comes from the Greek word of thanksgiving. This is a time when we come and realize what God has done for us. And we bow before him. And we give thanks to him. And we adore him. And and we love him and we express that gratitude to him through our prayers and our expressions. But we also express that gratitude through the life we live. That we 
we re-up, we recommit to our baptismal confession that we would follow Jesus faithfully all the days of our life. And we hear that call again and we walk with him in that. And so I, as I'm going to call our servers to come to the front now and our musicians to come. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to, come on now, that's good. Uh, we're going to pause and reflect on the generosity of God through Jesus Christ. And uh, my, my prayer for us is this. That as we take some quiet moments, and we're going we're gonna to come forward in a few moments, uh, as, as we take uh, this time to reflect on that, that we would try and drink it all in. Can you, can you fathom what God did? I, mean, I, I, can't, I can't grasp the enormity of what he has done. Would you take time just to quiet in your heart before him? Maybe there's some, been some stuff in your life this week or, or since last communion, and, and you know it's displeasing to God. And he is here to forgive and restore. He invites us to come into fellowship with him. And we want to come with clean hearts, with a pure heart and clean hands before him to worship him. So would you just take a moment and, and would you just uh, thank him and, and confess any sins that you have, that you've been left untouched and receive that cleansing and healing from him. Here's what's so cool. You thought you were done. (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not used to this either. Um, This message is coming in two parts. You thought... Did you really think you were getting out at 10 to 11? <laughs> what was your head at? Oh, man. I'm doing this in two parts because... Uh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, man. Um, we, talked about, we talked about the generosity of God. And our response to that. But there's another response. There's another so what. Remember, we, we're, we're continually asking, so what? What do you want me to do, Lord? What, what, what are the implications of what your teaching is? And, and what you are trying to... What, how does that touch my life? And, and how, do, how am I to be changed with that? And so, um, what we have is a call to be generous like God in scripture. Here's here's the call. If God is something, we are to be what God is. You remember in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said this, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. Doesn't that bite? 
Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How is he perfect? Well, he was perfect in generosity and love and all these other things, his kindness. His, and, and so that's to be a part of who we are. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 5. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice. What God is, follow his example. And the example you see of God is the example seen in his son uh, as he walks in the way of love, just as Christ loved us. We're to love others. And, and how about uh, Romans eight twenty nine? For those God foreknew, he predestined, this is us who are believers, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. His plan for us is this. That we would be like him. That we would grow in likeness. And, and our, our whole purpose and plan is to grow further to be like Jesus. And so when we talk about the generosity of God, what are some implications for us as we ask the Holy Spirit to direct us and guide us to know how we, uh, how we apply that? And... Um, and so I want to, uh, you know, he was, this is really embarrassing, okay? And I, um, I tell tales on myself. Um, last week, one of our kids was home, and Gerda made something special for them. And she said, why don't you take that along? And she said, sure. And I said, because Gerda doesn't often make something like that. And I said, well, save a little bit for me. She turned to me, and she had the audacity to say, Dad, you're not a very generous person. (laughs) And that stuck a knife in my heart, because I'm this week speaking on generosity, and one of my own kids now, remember what I said, it's hard to be be a preacher, because those closest to you, they will call you, and, and we need to be called out, you know? But if we're going to have integrity, we search the scripture and say, God, what does this mean for me? And when God has these little, uh, you know, servants, his little angels uh, who help you by saying, Dad, you're not very generous. And I thought, ouch. And so as I'm studying and, and going through scripture, I'm having to ask God what I trust you're asking God is what does that mean for me and what is it, what how does that impact my life? And so I, I have to go through that personal self-examination before I bring this to you. It's got to filter through my own soul so that I would be in a place where God wants me to be. Well, I just want to give you uh, four areas that this may be seen or we may practice this kind of generosity in our life. Um, and and the first one is in giving to others, in giving to others. We were called, you know, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, mind, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so there's a call in this to meet the needs of people who are in need, uh, whoever they are, because they're your neighbor. And Jesus told this story to help them understand who their neighbor was when he said, well, there, there's this guy and 
He was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and uh, these thugs and robbers beat him up, uh, left him in a pool of blood to die, took everything he had. And, and here he was uh, naked, laying in, in the pool of his own blood. And his own people came by. His own countrymen came by. Clergy came by. Uh, a priest and, and a Levite, and they just walked the other way. They didn't want to get involved. And the guy who there was bad relationships, bad blood between Samaritans and, and um, Israelites. Um, it was a Samaritan who reached out to help this guy, takes him to an inn, pays for his care, and says, if there's any more, I'll do it. And so we see that, that uh, a model for meeting the, the needs of others is Jesus. Uh, in, in 1 John 3... Uh, It says this, if anyone has material possessions and sees his brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So we're going to be confronted with people who have needs, uh, needs that can be met through financial giving. And, and we need to understand and respond to God, to God's uh, graciousness and his generosity in our life by living that out and being gracious and generous to others. And, and uh, in, in, in the case of that, meeting the needs of others is something that God wants us to do, that if we look up, up, upon somebody who has a need and we're, we would be able to help them, Love is not just about a feeling. Love is about action. It's not just words. And so I, I, I'm so pleased with our hampers of hope and, and the, the concern that people have and the donations they're making. And, and uh, if you haven't gotten on board yet, check, check out the, uh, the tree and take uh, uh, the an ornament and see what it is and provide for a family. What a, what a wonderful way to do that. And I want to encourage you to participate that. But not only an example of Jesus, uh, in, the, in the Bible, one church or, or group of churches really caught the spirit of what God wanted in terms of giving. What had happened was in Jerusalem, there was a, a terrible, terrible famine. And, and the church there was, was in awful shape. Uh, financially and provision for their needs. And the Apostle Paul was so moved by that that when he went on his journey, he made requests for people to make donations to help the mother church in Jerusalem. And uh, he writes to the Corinthians and he tells them uh, about the churches in Macedonia. And he says this, In the midst of very severe trial, these are are the Macedonian churches, in in midst of very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, how's this for a a mathematical equation? He says, you've got something going on here. You've got severe trial. These people are in desperate uh, condition. They're they're persecuted. They're, they're going through terrible trials and difficult times. And in, in the midst of that, they had this overflowing joy. Now, that doesn't make any sense to us, does it? 
I mean, how can you be in severe trials and overflowing with joy? Just not having a little bit of joy, but overflowing with joy. So here's the equation. These severe trials, but joy and extreme poverty, extreme poverty, not just poverty. It was the kind of thing to say, please, we don't want you to give anything. You need it for yourself. Uh, just, just take care of yourself. Don't worry about us. And, and, and what happened was it welled up, the, these three things welled up into rich generosity in this hurting church. He goes on to say, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. What you, you wouldn't imagine that they could give the way they give in light of the position they were in. And it was entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing the service to the Lord's people. Hey, I don't know when I last had somebody just appeal to me, please, please, please let us give. Does that, does that sound weird to you? They pleaded with the, uh, with the, the uh, ability to be able to, with the, the desire to be able to help beyond them. No pressure, no, no high uh, pressure tactics on them. And what happened was the grace of God did this. I mean, you don't do this on your own. God doesn't take stingy people and, 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 and do this. God, by his Holy Spirit, opens our hands so that we give to be generous. And this church was a model. And, and um, they pleaded with the privilege of giving. And let me ask you, do you consider giving a privilege? I mean, God blesses us, and he wants us then to bless others. And, and sometimes, uh, it's interesting, one of those Macedonian churches was Philippi. And, and here's a verse that you'll know quite well, probably a number of you. Uh, Philippians 4.9, where he's speaking, and he says, But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It was one of those uh, uh, Macedonian churches. It was one of those churches that had gone through the tough time. And, and, and Paul says, look it, you guys have been so generous with God. Don't worry about what will happen to you because God will take care of you. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm absolutely overwhelmed by the, the need that I see. And it's, you, you see so much need, sometimes you just throw up your hand and, and, and you, you say, well, I, I, can't, I can't even wrap my mind around helping all those people. Andy Stanley said something once that I'd never for, uh, forgotten that I thought was so good. He said, do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. And when you're overwhelmed, ask God to give you one person that you can help in that way. And uh, you may start with a hamper and say, let me, let me help one person through our hampers of hope. Well, not only that, um, we're called to give in acts of service. See, sir, giving isn't just about money. It's not just about things. It's about our heart. It's about uh, the, the heart that longs to serve and care for others. Here's what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10. 
Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I came, I, I didn't come for, to, to, to be pampered and have people follow me around and, and, and hold me up and all the, he said, I came to roll up my sleeves and to serve people who are in need. And, and we need to do more than financial things. There are all kinds of acts of service that we can do. That's why the Apostle Paul would say in Galatians 5, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. You are called to serve one another. Um, the good Samaritan, uh, I mean, if he saw the guy lying there in the pool of blood and threw a few shekels on the ground and kept going, that would have been no good. He, he, he provided financial aid, but he also served. He, he took that guy and cleaned up his wounds. He, he put him on his donkey. He took him to the inn. He, he spent the night nursing this guy in his needs. That's what we're talking about. It's more than money. And God has given you gifts, and he's given you abilities, and, and he's given you uh, all kinds of ways that you can help others. And, and it's not all through financial things. You may, have, you may have a talent or a gift that can help somebody uh, you may help someone uh, perhaps by tutoring a child that's really struggling in school. Or, or maybe you have a trade or a gift like, like you're a plumber or something like that. Um, perhaps it's, um, it's child care. It, it's taking a, a single mom who's got sick kids and, and uh, taking care of them or bringing over a meal or taking somebody to the hospital and back while they go for treatments. There are all kinds of ways that you can show generosity and love in giving to others. I just found out, my dad was telling me that my home church back in Guelph, um, they've got a thing where uh, they're changing, uh, putting on winter tires for all their single moms uh, in the church. So they come on a Saturday and the guys, a whole crew of guys got together to help them. I, I mean, it's so neat to see. My dad was was really excited to see what the church was doing to help. And, and with what God has given us in terms of abilities and resources and time, we can use that for others, and it can be an expression of the, uh, of the, the generosity of God. Well, there's another one here as well, and uh, that is in forgiving. You can be generous in forgiving, I love what Peter says. Peter's trying to figure out how to live a good and a godly life. And he tells Jesus, how many times shall I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? See, the the religious leaders, they would go to three times. You mess up once, they, they were baseball players. Once, twice, third strike, you're out. So Peter says, I'm going to over double that. I'm going to go with uh, seven times. Lord, how many times when this lughead brother of mine, Andrew, gets on my case, do I have to forgive him? I'm going seven, Lord. He's going to like this. Jesus is going to be. Jesus said, well, how about 70 times seven? Why don't you be generous in your willingness to ask to, to forgive others? But but they hurt me. Yeah, I know. Forgive them. Uh, but they didn't acknowledge that they did wrong to me. Yeah, I know. Just 
forgive them. They never asked me for forgiveness. Forgive them. I just can't forget about what they've done. Forgive them. Forgive them. I can't trust them to not be repeat offenders. Forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive them. And God, if we're to be like God, if we're to be like Jesus Christ, I can't, I can't fathom how much God has forgiven me for. I'm like a repeat offender. I, I offend God's sensibilities and his will in different ways in my life, and yet he pours out his love in forgiveness upon me. How incredible is that? That's why the Apostle Paul would say, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other. Okay, how? Just as Christ, as in Christ, God forgave you. I think of the magnitude of God's forgiveness to me. And he says, now, as I've treated you this way, now treat other people that way. And, and some of you are, you know, when I say forgiveness, all of a sudden a person comes to mind. An incident comes to mind, and, and you, you feel things kind of churning in your gut. And, and you, you've been stewing about this. And, and it may be years and years. I know uh, we, we had a really weird experience once uh, with family overseas. We went to see um, an uncle and aunt who'd uh, for years been separated from his brother, um, and it was, it was terrible. And we went, we had a lovely visit with both of these different uncles, but it found out that this uncle that was offended, it would not, he would not, he refused to reconcile, um, that he said when he died, he wanted, uh, a, just a very small family, private funeral. He wanted no announcement about it, which there would be an announcement and family would all gather. So he didn't want his brother to be able to come to his funeral. He went to his grave with that. And, and God wants us to be rich in forgiveness, to be generous in forgiveness. And, and God blesses us so that we might be the people he wants us to be and, to, and that we would share that then with others as he has forgiven us. And one last one. We can show... Um, that, that kind of, of love and generosity in encouragement. I don't know about you, but there's so many things that in life can drag me down and discourage me and, and demoralize me. You can take criticism. People can do things to you and, and they can cut you to pieces and they can make you feel unloved and, and without, uh, without being the kind of people that could be appreciated. And all of us that need encouragement at some point. Um, I remember uh, talking to a woman who lived behind our church uh, in one of the churches we served in. And uh, I had talked, her father had died a couple of weeks earlier. And I saw her and I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad's passing. She said, yeah. I said, but I was talking to somebody from our church. And they saw your dad uh, about a month ago. And uh, he, he, he saw him in a coffee shop and he said, you know, I'm so proud of my daughter. And I told her that. And she burst out in tears. 
And I said, what's the matter? She said, I've been waiting my whole life to hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. You know, some of us, you know, with, with, with our, you know, maybe with our kids, we're not generous with encouragement. I mean, we're saying, uh, you know, how come you only got so much on that score? Couldn't you have gotten this much? And, and this, this love that is conditional and, and, and instead of being generous with that and, and lifting people up and encouraging them, we're knocking them down. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Barnabas, son of encouragement. I mean, when, when nobody would believe in the Apostle Paul and Saul of Tarsus when he was converted, it was Barnabas that went and got him and brought him and, and stood up for him. And, and uh, as time went on, Paul and Barnabas would go on missionary journeys and it came to the second missionary journey and they were ready to go again. And, and uh, Barnabas said, look, it, I'm going to go get John Mark and uh, he'll join us too. Paul says, over my dead body, I'm not taking him. He went, he abandoned us in the first journey. He's out. And, and here's a guy, Barnabas, who is so concerned for uh, honoring this guy and helping him back that he says, that's fine. They, you know what? They had a spat. They had a knockdown, drag him out uh, confrontation, and they decided to go their own ways. Uh, that's the Apostle Paul and Barnabas. Um, they weren't perfect. But God used that in a very special way because Barnabas said, I'm, I'll, take, I'll take Mark. And he took Mark. Paul went his own way. When Paul is writing the last book that he wrote in 2 Timothy, as far as our knowledge is, he said something to Timothy. He said, bring John Mark with you. He's profitable to me. They've given up on that guy. It's a, he's, he's done. No way. Because there was a Barnabas who reached out to encourage him. And you know, we have the second gospel. Is the gospel of Mark. We wouldn't have the gospel of Mark if it weren't for a Barnabas who was reaching out. And I want to tell you that God wants to use you. That there would be a spirit of liberality and, and, and generosity and that that would certainly be involved with, with uh, uh, money and that kind of thing. But it's, it goes so far beyond that. It goes to forgiveness. It goes to, to, to the charitable kind of acts that we do, helping each other. It's encouraging each other. And, and God wants to bless us in that. I'm going to call the musicians to come up just as we, as we finish up here. Um, God wants to make us a blessing. And so what he does for us and in our life, he wants us to turn around that to bless others. There's a song that I, I, I think expresses this so powerfully. Uh, it was written by Kyle Matthews. And, and uh, here's what it says. If we were not loved to love, if we were not touched to touch, if we were not led to lead, if we were not fed to feed, if you didn't sacrifice so that we could have new life, then Lord, what in the world have you saved us for? If we were not taught to teach, if we were not sought to seek, if we were not helped to help, if we were not told to tell, if you'd not forgiven us to let mercy live in us so that you could love through us once more, then Lord, what in the world have you saved us for? There's a reason we were brought to life, Lord. 
you made us for this place and time, and you showed us the way for us to find our sacred purpose, our place in your design. We've been loved so that we can love. We've been touched so that we can touch others. We've been led to lead. We've been fed to feed. If you did not set us free so that our songs might lead prisoners toward the open door, then Lord, why in the world did you save us for? What in the world have you saved us for? Powerful. What God did for you is what he wants to do through you to others. The impact of that. Stated in our vision statement, making a difference through Jesus Christ, one life at a time. Don't try to save the whole world. Focus on one person. Lee Strobel, uh, a young lawyer who was uh, a journalist, hotshot guy, recognized uh, in the Chicago Tribune and and won many awards, uh, was assigned an article that he needed uh, to do uh, something about people going on, uh, having hard times around Christmas. He was sent out to a lady's house, a 60-year-old grandmother who had two granddaughters, an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old. And uh, they had been burnt out of a roach-infested tenement. Uh, he came into their place. There was no furniture. There wasn't a carpet in the place. There was one small table. There was nothing on the wall. There was a handful of rice. Two girls each had one short-sleeved dress. And uh, they had one sweater. And they would have to pass that back and forth going to school. One would wear it for so far. They had a a half-mile walk. And then they would change and uh, he did this article, uh, and this woman, this 60-year-old grandmother who was caring for these two girls, um, she was so filled with the love of God, he was, he was struck by that. Uh, she had a, a sense of hope and peace. There wasn't a sense that God had abandoned them, though there was nothing, nothing in this room. She had a sense that God was still on her team. And so he did this article and then thought, I need to go back and see what's happened. And he went back to this place and they opened up and there were all kinds of gifts and presents and furniture and all of that. Uh, they, were, they were just showered with kindness. And uh, what did the mother do? She started giving it away, giving it all away. And, and he said, well, why are you doing that? She says, my neighbors have needs. Mm. Beautiful. And, and so she did that. It so touched Lee Strobel um, that despite, uh, despite that, he could not get away from it. His wife would become a believer, and he was an atheist. And he tried every which way to argue her out of the faith, but he couldn't. And it was some of these incidents with people that so left an impression on his life that he eventually turned to trust Christ himself, became a teaching pastor, wrote so many of the books. In fact, I pulled that story out of a little book that we have that will be available for some of our guests Christmas Eve um, on, on Christmas. And uh, he has a whole section of books that have helped Christians. It was the impact of seeing the generosity and, and the heart of an old lady who had next to nothing. My friends... 
generosity is in the heart of God. It ought to be in the heart of us. Let's sing this last song.